Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. Cholangiocarcinoma, or biliary duct cancer, affects about 8,000 patients in the United States annually. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we bring you an excerpt of an interview with Dr. Jesper Anderson, Associate Professor and Group Leader at the University of Copenhagen and the Biotech Research and Innovation Center at the Department of Health. There have been three FDA approvals for drugs that treat cholangiocarcinoma, but only for patients that have certain mutations or arrangements, signifying an unmet need, he noted, and due to the limited number of patients, clinical trials are challenging. Dr. Anderson spoke recently with Priel Bunyan, Senior Editor of CURE, a publication from MJH Life Sciences. You can watch this interview and many others by visiting medicalworldnews.com, where you can get expert insights you won't find anywhere else. Yeah, so my name is Jesper B. Anderson, and I'm an associate professor and group leader at University of Copenhagen at the Biotech Research and Innovation Center, BRIC, at the Department of Health. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the recent advancements in cholangiocarcinoma that are important for patients to know about? Well, based on what we saw at the, at the conference, the patients are very um, well-knowledged about what uh, what is going on in uh, in their own disease, and, uh, and luckily, uh, luckily so. In the last... Two years, uh, we have had three approvals, uh, FDA approvals. Um, the first one was against uh, penigatinib against the FDFR2 fusions. Then another approval in the same type of space, uh, ifigratinib uh, against the FDFR uh, alterations. And then last year, uh, or at the, at the end of last year, approval of um, visudinib against the IDH mutant tumors. Um, that is uh, two drugs that are in the space of um, of uh, receptorizing kinase area. A classical drug area for for in, in oncology is uh, tyrosine kinase inhibitors as, as such. Uh, the other visodinib uh, against IDH is a more epigenetic um, targeted uh, therapy. So the two very different patient populations uh, that we we are talking about, even though they both have. Uh, both group have uh, intraoperative cholangiocarcinoma. So cholangiocarcinoma, it's one of the more rarer diseases. And um, when patients are first diagnosed, they might not even really know what, what it is. So what would, you, what would your advice be for a patient who's newly diagnosed, who just hears this word cholangiocarcinoma and they don't know what it is? What's kind of the first step from there? And, and how, what's the best way to find out about the disease and get the information that they need to know? Well, I, I guess it's like already getting into most clinics, and um, I think is uh, even uh, a requirement in US now that you need to get your your tumor the biopsy profiled. Uh, what do I mean by profile? I mean that you need to look at the 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 DNA, your um, your your code of why why you are who you are, and also in this case why uh, you got the tumor. Uh, you you potentially got based on um, uh, based on this. Um, the sequence of different uh, bases, as we call it. So one should get that profiled uh, as soon as possible after diagnosis, 
to find any possible variants. And why is that important, in particular in colonial carcinoma build? Based on the last three approvals, uh, or the only three approvals in the space, they are all targeted therapies. They are specifically subset of patients where this drug or these three drugs are now approved uh, and can only be given in, in, in that space. So we have three drugs that are FDA approved that are all targeted agents, as you mentioned. Does this encompass all or most of patients with the disease? And are there some patients who don't have the markers for any one of these three um, new treatments? And if so, what happens to those patients? We certainly do have patients that uh, unfortunately are not uh, covered by any of those three drugs. Um, they do not have diffusion, first of all. Uh, that might be around 10-12% uh, uh, at best, uh, quite often, we actually see close to 5% of patients that have the, the fusion, the FDFR2 fusion. So that's one. It's a little broader uh, with ifigrapinib uh, against the FDFR2, um, FDFR fusions, uh, sorry, FDFR um, uh, alterations because it's FDFR1 to 3 uh, alterations, amplification, so forth. So that's a little more alterations in that space than the FDFR2 fusion it, it itself. And then IDH uh, obviously is a very specific uh, alteration. It's a point mutation. It's also what we call a hotspot. Um, so there is only one alteration, typically only one alteration uh, in that gene. Uh, and that is what the, this drug is targeting. Um, and that is again, 10, 15% of patients. So the targeted therapies, not quoting me on the, on the, on the, on the, on the percentage, but we might be, currently covering 25, maybe 30% at best with those three approvals. So majority of patients will still in first line see uh, standard care, gemcetabine, cisplatin, uh, and then now another uh, relatively new uh, advancement uh, in, in the space of uh, cholangiocarcinoma, intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma was the addition of duvalumab uh, on top of that. So in immuno-oncology uh, type drug added to standard of care, showing um, a moderate, but still an improvement in, uh, in, uh, in the response. Are there ongoing uh, clinical trials for this patient population? And especially with something like cholangiocarcinoma that tends to be on the rarer side compared to other cancers, um, why is clinical trial uh, participation important? Well, it is simply difficult for the companies or the investigators running, uh, the clinical investigators running these um, these trials to find enough patients uh, that match. Particularly now, we're talking about subsetting patients, meaning you you have an alteration that matches this drug, uh, and therefore the trial. Uh, so finding finding enough patients, you need to go multiple institutions. That goes without saying, but also across many countries, uh, typically their uh, networks and information networks of investigators networks of researchers that uh, that companies can uh, interact with uh, is uh, an advantage uh, foundations like the colonial carcinoma foundations or in in europe ammf uh, uk or um, they're more grassroots type organization for researchers and uh, and uh, clinicians that uh, I'm a part of and a, a co-organizer of uh, the ENSCA collaboration, the European Network for the Study of Colonial Carcinoma. So that is one place to interact, but also the fact that the patients are informed uh, of those uh, websites, uh, those uh, 
people that are potentially able to link them in uh, with the right uh, clinical trials and therefore getting on board uh, for, for testing. That's one thing for getting the uh, best possible out of the trials. Uh, the more patients, the better typically, but also for the speed by which these trials actually can go to, to approval. So they reach their uh, enrollment phase uh, faster than uh, otherwise, if they really have to go out and search every single patient out. So what do you see for the next five or 10 years, or what do you see or what do you hope for the next five or 10 years in the cholangiocarcinoma space? But one thing would be, which has been a difficult uh, space for, but now Duvalumab is showing a potential for as an add-on as in combination with now this, in this case, uh, standard of care, uh, but more into in line of um, immune oncology. One thing that may or may not, uh, you will see in the, in the future, if it's the, the classical immune oncology, like targeting uh, the interaction of T cell versus uh, the cancer cell, but are also um, an important area in cholangiocarcinoma uh, that may turn out to be, let's say, at the fourth level of, of uh, therapies uh, targeting the interaction of um, other parts of the stromal tissue, the what we also call a tumor microenvironment, which is very, um, pronounced in cholangiocarcinoma typically, uh, both within the tumor, but also around the tumor. And targeting that would be an interaction between the cancer cells and uh, the fibroblast, the cancer-associated fibroblast as one place, and the other place would be um, the cancer cells and macrophages. Um, so that is, again, uh, it's, on, it's immunotherapy, but it's a different type of immunotherapy than, um, than the classical uh, PD-1 and PDL one and uh, so forth uh, therapies. For all of us at AJMC, thanks for listening. To learn more about these issues, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.